Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard? This is our podcast about workplace safety and health. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today, and I've got uh, two incredibly knowledgeable guests with me, uh, safety professionals both. Uh, I'm going to introduce them first, and then we'll get to a few uh, announcements and some observations I've made over the past week. Uh, but let me give you the guests. Uh, my first guest, Doug Schneider, a good friend of mine. We've known each other for probably 15, 20 years now. Uh, Doug is, has been a mainstay in the safety community here in, in uh, Nebraska for a long time. We, in fact, worked at OSHA together probably back in the 90s or early 2000s. I don't remember exactly when, uh, but we'll talk about that. And my, my other guest is Dan Thiel. Um, okay, first of all, let me, Schneider's company is called Safety Solutions. I need to mention that. Safety Solutions. That would help. Thank right? You. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> Dan is with Manelli Mechanical. You're probably the safety director, safety manager. I am safety director, yes. Safety director, excellent. And Manelli is a, is a mechanical contractor here in, are you headquartered here in Omaha? Headquartered here in Omaha, right up in uh, Florence. We, okay, uh, sure. Our office is in the shadow of the Mormon Bridge. Oh, nice, nice, man. I drive by that all the time. Um, yeah. I'll have to stop in. contractor in Omaha. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you guys both give a little bit more introduction, uh, but I do want to make a few announcements first. Uh, first and foremost, uh, this episode's being sponsored by Safety Reports. Uh, Safety Reports is a local company here in Omaha. They are uh, an auditing app. Uh, and, and a lot more than that, actually, their app has been developed and evolved into a number of different functions that I find incredibly useful. Most of my clients use safety reports. One of the things uh, I want to talk about um, as far as utility of safety reports, which I find really interesting, uh, it started out as an auditing app and they have added things like um, job safety analysis. Uh, there's a template for doing JSAs. Uh, there is a template for uh, doing toolbox talks and capturing training, things like that, which uh, all of us need. But one of the things I really like about safety reports is uh, this utility that they have recently added where employees can make observations on site, snap photos of these observations and forward those up the chain to the safety director, safety manager, superintendent, whomever they would like to have that information um, as a consultant, I get asked all the time about safety culture and how can I improve my safety culture. And one thing I think that is uh, imperative in a, in a good safety culture is the ability to involve employees in the programs in a meaningful way. And I think this observation element is really a useful way to engage your employees in your safety program. If, if we all had our employees out there looking for hazards on the job sites and actually in real time snapping pictures and forwarding those concerns to us, man, I think we would all be much better off. So um, one of the things I like about safety reports is this observation um, utility, this function that you can use on, on the app. So if you've not, if you're not using um, an auditing app, take a look at safety reports. I think you'll like it. Um, and uh, we'll go from there. The other thing I'd like to mention is my wife is a school teacher. She's home right now, obviously. She is doing the Zoom training, teaching from home thing. And every afternoon, she sits down and watches the uh, COVID-19 task force. I think she actually calls into the task force. I think she's actually a member of the task force at this point. She watches it. If she doesn't have the opportunity to watch it, she records it and watches it later. I mean, she is really paying attention to this stuff. And so I, on the other hand, 
I tend not to watch it every day. It's a little bit too much for me to watch every day. But I was walking through the living room yesterday, and, and she was listening, and the Secretary of Labor was on, Eugene Scalia. I don't know if you were familiar with Scalia. He's actually the son of the, mm-hmm. of the former um, uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice. Right. Yep. And uh, he was interesting. He was talking about the Family's First Act, um, you know, sick, paid sick leave, some of the changes, some of the legislative changes that have recently been made in the workplace. And then he commented on OSHA. And, of course, we all have a, 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 an interest in what OSHA is doing. And he mentioned that, you know, certainly OSHA is still taking complaints. And one of the things that they are really focusing on, on right now is um, retaliation, employee retaliation um, against employees who are voicing concerns about the COVID-19 issues. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, if they are concerned about um, distancing, distancing in the work environment or if they're concerned about hygiene issues or cleanliness or whatever the case might be, um, I know personally some employers have just said, look, either get to work. If you don't like it, quit. And, uh, man, I'm not sure that's going to fly in this particular moment. And so um, OSHA is sensitive to that. They've always been sensitive to discrimination issues and retaliation issues. And so uh, uh, the secretary actually said that, you know, OSHA is kind of on a heightened alert for these types of issues. And so um, I think we're all uh, aware of that, th- you know, that kind of uh, concern. It certainly makes sense. And um, OSHA will be out uh, doing enforcement activities, you know, over the course of this, you know, this COVID period, whatever that extends out to be. So um, I just thought that was really interesting that that was something that uh, Scalia brought up on the task force meeting. And so uh, th- those are my observations for, for, the, for the week. Um, Guys, let's get let's get onto the subject matter at hand. So, if you would maybe Doug first, just give a brief introduction. You know, t- I know, I know you've got a a long history in in the safety profession, but just tell everybody you know who you are and what you're doing now. Talk a little bit about your company, if you would. No problem. But first, I'd like to say on behalf of Dan and I, it's a it's truly a pleasure to be on Omaha's number one rated safety podcast. Yes, it is. I'm sure it is. It might be, yeah, certainly the best podcast in West Omaha. That's right. Awesome. I have started Safety Solution when I left OSHA back in 2001 and specialize in construction and have been doing that ever since. Yeah, man. How, how long were you with OSHA, Dougie? Four years. So you, you actually started up in Chicago or in the... Calumet City. Calumet City, and then came down to the Omaha area office. Put a transfer into Kansas City and got stuck in Omaha. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of people can say that <laughs> in a lot of different professions, probably. Yeah, man. And so you've been out on your own for quite a long time, and you've actually developed a really successful and, and well-known um, consulting firm. So good for you, man. Uh, very impressive. Right. It just It's all about how you te- uh, treat people, and if you treat the clients good, they pass the word of mouth along, and I've been really lucky. You don't have to advertise and always try to do the right thing by everybody. And it wound up, you know, turning into a pretty good hundred dollar a year business. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. At least as far as you're reporting on your taxes. Yeah. Now that PPP application you just filled out might say something else. You meet guys like Dan Thale. Who's yeah, so, excellent, so, excellent guy to be around. So tell me about Dan. How did you, how did you meet Dan? Uh, he worked for D.R. Anderson at the time. Okay. Yep. Him through D.R. Anderson. And is that J.P. Mertlick? It is. Okay, yeah. Right. 
Okay. And uh, like I said, met Dan on the job site. We talked several times, just, you know, shot the crap back and forth and uh, started working out at the uh, Vandalay project south of Council Bluffs mm -hmm. and uh, needed a safety person. Asked JP if I could uh, use Dan since they were slow at the time. Thought Dan would make a great person. He's got an awesome personality, gets along with people great. <laughs> JP said, sure, I'd love to get rid of the son of yeah, a... Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, he'd be valuable uh, elsewhere. Hired Dan on. He worked for me for several years. Great employee. Outstanding. Does a great job. And uh, he did such a great job. Manelli approached me and said, hey, we want to hire this guy. Yeah. We're desperate for help. We can't find any other losers. So we'd like to. Nice. That's right. so, nice. Yeah, they were very pleased with the way Dan did work for Manelli and uh, said they approached me and asked me. And I said, sure, I can't. Can't stop uh, somebody from wanting to better themselves. And Dan is took off with Manelli, became their corporate safety director and done an excellent job for a great company. Oh, fantastic. And so Dan, how long have you been with Manelli now? Uh, since 2016. Excellent, man. And uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, um, we are a 50 year old company just celebrated our 50th anniversary last year. Um, started out like so many other companies, uh, uh, you know, the Manelli plumbing company mm -hmm. long, long ago and uh, eventually grew. Uh, mostly, most recently under the leadership of the McNeil family, uh, Tom McNeil that owns the company is, uh, and his brothers and sister that have all had ownership interest over the years, uh, their dad before them, uh, Tom McNeil owns the whole company now, uh, and is just an awesome guy to work for. They're, for a, we are a family run business. Um, so treat employees very much like family. Nice. Um, it's yeah, it's a great company to work for. So. Well, so that brings me to the subject matter. I mean, obviously, I know um, it's probably painful to talk a lot about COVID at this point. I mean, we've just been inundated yeah. with COVID, COVID, COVID. And um, mm -hmm. and while I think we sometimes reach a saturation point, it's obviously something that we have to deal with every day. What do you guys yeah. see? I mean, what are you seeing out in the field? What are what are companies doing to address this issue or not address it? And and are you seeing people making an effort to or or what are you actually seeing? Oh boy, am I seeing an effort? Geez, um, so we have job sites ranging from medical facilities uh, to big data center projects right. to the, the little one off and two off certain you know single service guy out in the field. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just a, a wide range uh, of those types of projects. A lot. A, very diverse projects too. Um, so at our, you know, naturally at our medical facility projects, uh, things are pretty stringent there right? as far as um, not only the PPE, but the cleanliness and the sanitation in and out of, of uh, we refer to them as, as contaminated areas mm -hmm. or potentially contaminated areas. We just assume they're contaminated, all of them. Right. Um, so cleaning, you know, sanitize everything from sanitizing the people to sanitizing the tools to protecting the people, not only our people, but patients that are in these facilities um, is naturally first and foremost. If um, we had a job just the other day, a service call at 830 at night, and thankfully our service guy, our service tech said, look, I'm not, I don't have the PPE on me right now to get this job done. It was just, a, it was a stopped up dream mm -hmm. at a medical facility. Um, I don't have the PPE or the equipment on me to get this job done. Uh, I'm just going to have to wait until morning if this is not an emergency. And, and we had a great client that was glad to oblige that. Very wow. understanding. And, and we took care of it the next day. So. And so do your, pro do your protocols then 
Um, are they, do they vary based on the job site or they is there a minimum protocol that everybody's following and then you just kind of heighten certain things yeah. for those medical facilities? Our, it, that's pretty much what it amounts to. Our, our corporate policy, our corporate standard protocol and policy is pretty broad and pretty vague because mm -hmm. we work on such a wide variety of projects. Right. And then our corporate policy says that we'll develop a specific plan and policy for each individual project. For each project, sure. Done. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Yeah. But what about you, Doug, man? You are on dozens of different job sites. You have you have guys on different job sites. Um, you've probably had to actually develop some protocols for your own employees as well as for these different projects. So that's, that's probably yeah, a pretty we, big undertaking. We've got some COVID guidance that we've passed out to the employees, and a lot of it's common sense, best knowledge, because they are – you know, kind of going from site to site, mm -hmm. but most of the sites are done a pretty good job. For example, like, uh, I know Hausman's put out wash stations on all the sites. They have sanitizer available, mm -hmm. you know, they've got disinfectant sprays mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it, most of them are doing a pretty good job. Good. A lot of sites are back or kind of what I would say normal in the sense that the guys are working as best they can. Right. And, you know, whether they maintain them six feet clearance or not is, is not always practical in construction, but for the most part, when you have like iron workers or something, they do a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. One's on each end of the steel setting or connecting. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, I mean, you, you notice a difference and some of the jobs are shrinking in the uh, worker population on the, on the okay. site, but uh, yeah, it, there's, there's a lot of precautions being taken. Is that, there. are they, are they actually limiting the number of folks on site for that reason? Or is well, it? I think it's more personal choice from the guys that are there. Okay. They're, uh, for example, like the data center sites, Whiting Turner has done an outstanding job of uh, implementing screening methods before guys can even get on site. Mm -hmm, Temperature yeah. taking, screening questions, health evaluations type stuff. So wow. um, a lot of the sites in town aren't doing that, but the big big, mm -hmm. big right. jobs where there's several hundred people that are doing that. The smaller ones are, you know, kind of rely on everybody to self-police themselves. Sure. And I mean, I see a lot of activity, man. I mean, there's a lot of construction activity going on around town. Um, there's a project right across from this studio that I sit and watch typically in the parking lot. I try to let, make sure that they see me watching them just, just for old time's sake, you know, <laughs> try to take a few, take a few pictures, you know, maybe, uh, to see what happens. But, um, uh, the guys working outdoors probably are at an advantage. I would assume. I mean, typically if you were in the outdoor stages of work, uh, you are doing things that allow for a little bit more distancing, you know, maybe right. one person in a lift at a time, perhaps, or as you said, the steel erectors can be on different ends of the steel, whatever the case might be. I think that lends itself to probably better distancing practices. Um, once you're inside, then maybe that changes a bit. But as you said, I mean, there are certainly opportunities to in, improve distancing measures, uh, depending on the nature of the activity. And, and in some circumstances, man, it's just not very easy to do that. Yeah, you know, the good thing about being outside is it is outside, so it, you're not re recirculating kind of the same air as you would be in an enclosed space. Right. So I think it does help for the guys, especially the ones that are working Absolutely. outside. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, I've not, you know, I try to keep up on the, uh, the research, the literature, to the extent that I'm able. A lot of it comes through LinkedIn. I get a lot of stuff like that. Um, I think there is, you know, depending on air changes in an indoor facility, if you have a, a, a basic just an administrative office or something where the number of air changes is fairly limited. You know, there's no real intent to turn the, the air over 
regularly. Then I think you can probably build up a bit of a, a load, you know, the, those those airborne particles, those aerosols that we're all exhaling and coughing and sneezing, whatever that case might be. Hopefully, if you're coughing and sneezing, you're not at work, but, you know, everybody's respiring and you're contributing to that load, you know, so um, it's not easy necessarily to dilute that in a standard administrative setting with administrative type of HVAC, but... Um, Man, I know in, in a lot of industrial settings or probably I'm sure in the healthcare settings, they're turning over a lot of air, you know, and so that yeah. certainly helps. Right, so that's kind of your that's kind of your wheelhouse, Dan. Are you guys have you been asked to um, participate in? I mean, are you guys oh, doing yeah. HVAC stuff? And Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of the buildings around Omaha and, and confidential projects and, and things sure. like that. But a lot of the buildings around Omaha that have uh, asked all their employees to leave because of a, a positive COVID case, right? We do service work in those buildings. Right. Um, so those are just a matter of each each case is um is treated individually we analyze each case you know let's do a hazard analysis right what right. you got to do and what are we going to do to protect you from it um my my goals are always first of all stop the air from moving through whatever piece of duct work we got to work in mm-hmm. um and then how do we sanitize it before we put a person in there right so, excellent from- i mean it's challenging it's really required some ingenuity it yeah it has um and we fortunately we have the best uh, guys working for us, very knowledgeable guys that are uh, just knowledgeable about the systems that mm-hmm. we work on that have, you know, no ifs, ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, we'll figure out how to do it. You That's know, fantastic. Input from the safety guy. They're, yeah, they're very, um, they're very receptive to suggestions from me. And uh, I certainly rely on them because they, uh, you know, they know about stuff I don't know. About, right. So. Right. Most definitely. <laughs> Doug, let, let me ask you something, man. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, Dan's done a great job of duct taping HEPA filters to his employees' faces. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've right seen some, you know, uh, just imagine the... Furnace uh, filter. Yeah, but yeah. just imagine after this is all over, you know, all of yeah. the, the, the pictures that we'll be using in training going forward. You know, you thought the sure. old respiratory protection pictures were pretty funny. These will be, yeah. be pretty amazing. They are. So, yeah. Doug, let me ask you, man, as a, as a consultant, I mean, visiting sites, are you attempting to enforce um, through through your consultative role are you trying to are you enforcing some of these social distancing issues are you are you addressing these things with the employees are, are your are your clients asking you to address that stuff the clients mostly do that on their own but you know it's hard to discuss the social distance on the job site. it's not hard to discuss it but it's hard to implement it because sometimes people just have to be in that close sure. proximity workspace for if you're pulling wire into you know a panel or something sometimes it takes a couple of guys to do it so they're going to be side by side but as soon as they can they'll separate or else they'll put on a a face mask or or a respirator type mask or something right try to maintain as best as as best they can i'm just wondering um if people are being i mean I know that as we talked about in the beginning with uh you know labor secretary scalia if an employee was concerned about this and they filed a complaint with OSHA, um, I would I'd be inclined to believe that these would probably start as as the non formal investigations we used to do, you know, the phone and fax type investigations. Right. Um, I would imagine that they're not mobilizing uh, compliance officers based on that type of complaint. Certainly, if there was uh, some type of retaliation, the discrimination investigators would be 
involved in that. But I'm just, I mean, I'm just no, wondering: are employees it. are employees being disciplined for violating rules? No, I don't think you'll find any disciplinary action against an employee for asking about it. You no. know, they uh, on so on most job sites you have break shacks that everybody goes into and breaks together. Okay. Now that you now everybody is sitting in their own vehicles. Right. You'll see one person in the shack mostly, and they've got disinfectant wipes and all of them. Right. So they are. Employees are doing a really good job of maintaining their social distance from the guys. They're not just standing around and in so, groups smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah, so right. the first guy to the break shack gets the break shack, huh? Yeah. Usually the foreman. <laughs> yeah. uh, no doubt. Yeah. I'm sure that's true. But that's that's an actually that's an interesting comment. I would imagine there is quite a bit of uh, taking your breaks, eating your lunch in the privacy of your car type of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's obvious. That's a great. That's a great solution. I, I you know the the. Uh, the industry folks, the manufacturing folks, I've talked to a number of them and they are, you know, they have a break room and typically they have removed all but one chair from every table. Right. So only one person can sit at one table at a time and they are rotating breaks and lunches and things. Right. You know, they're trying to schedule them on the 50, on the 30 minute or whatever that turnover is so that they can right. try to, you know, limit the number of people in the break rooms. That is, it's incredibly challenging. I, I, I have to be honest with you. I bounce back and forth between this incredible pride that I that I that I feel because so many people like you guys are out there fighting the good fight and trying to help employers, you know, continue to work and help employees work safely. Um, on occasion, I feel this abject disgust when I see people that, as you said, that are, you know, they've crowded together. I mean, they just closed the parks in Omaha recently because people were assembling in the parks. And, you know, there'd be large numbers, large numbers of people in the parks and they weren't exercising any social distancing at all. And we certainly don't want I personally don't want to see the government have to do that kind of thing. I think it would be much better if we just take it upon ourselves to do the best we can, certainly. Mm-hmm. But uh, more often than not, I, I, I feel a sense of pride. And, uh, man, the safety community around here has really risen to the occasion. Um, I'm involved with in a number of just kind of. Uh, email groups. You know, I'm kind of on the roster of a number of different different safety email groups. And uh, there's a lot of collaboration going on. There's a lot of people sharing information. Um, I know there's a group here in Omaha trying to obtain, um, if not respiratory protection, they're working on different types of masks and things that they can buy in gross, you know, large bulk so that they can distribute those within their groups of different companies. I mean, you know, there is a certain element of pride right now being a safety person and seeing, you know, what, what the community is doing. That's, that's pretty cool. We've done that with a few, uh, a few other mechanical contractors. We've done that buying things like hand sanitizers in bulk. Oh, know, nice. A 55-gallon drum that cost you five or $6,000 for right. hand sanitizer and split it with some others, split it with one of our competitors because wow. we are all in this game together. Right. And, and everyone, everybody wants to be working, man. We all want to keep working. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> I think at least I should say the majority of people want to be working, you know? Yeah. So the ones want to work. Yeah. Yeah. The ones yeah. that want to work yeah. are working. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. And I think, again, I think, you know, the vast majority of companies are doing a great job and I commend them for doing that. You know, thanks for doing that. And, um, I hope it continues, uh, not for too much longer, but I, I hope it continues for, at least for the duration of the you know, of the guidance we're given. Yeah. Well, uh, do you guys mind wrapping up the COVID discussion? Yeah, 
Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> sometimes you just need. Sometimes you just need a break from the COVID discussion. Yeah, exactly. Geez, to not talk about COVID for a while. I know. Okay, I guess it's almost unthinkable at my house, which is why I go into work. I actually. Yeah. I I, tr- I tried to work from home for a few days, and I you know I would love my family, would do anything for my family, um, but I'm back in the office. You right. know, it's just it's it's just incredibly <laughs> difficult to have. And it's just the three of us. My wife, one of my boys is home right now. The other boy is out, still out at school, holed up in his yeah. apartment. But wow. one of my boys is home, and he's going to school online. My wife is a teacher, so she's teaching online. Yep. I'm down in the ba- I've been relegated to the basement in the back room. You know, that's that's the you know the temporary <laughs> Fletcher Safety Headquarters. You know, yeah. uh, a, a storage room. You know, storage closet. That's my. You know, so oh my gosh, that's kind of crazy, but. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Um, let's get on. It's just general safety, just general construction safety. Um, and I, you guys are actually in a position to talk about this. But what what do you and, you know, Doug, you in particular, I mean, you see a lot of companies. You have lots of clients. What what do the high performers, companies that have good safety programs, what do they what do they have in common? Is there anything that you notice um, in common between companies that do well with their safety programs? Yeah, I've noticed that uh, the ones that have the good safety program actually mean it. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not just a, we have a safety program, you know, whatever. Right. But the, the guys actually, the superintendents and the employees, they've got good employees, good superintendents, and they've all bought into it, and they want to do the right thing, and they want to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it's you got to get them to realize that, hey, this is for you. It's not for the benefit of me when I show up on the site or not for the benefit of the company. This is all about your health, man. You're getting paid to be safe, so take the extra ten minutes and do it right. Right, right, and and so, that that can be a bit of a sell for a, at at first, I would imagine. I it, mean, it can be at times, but yeah. you know, there's some contractors out there that it, it's just like beating your head against the wall. You know, right. you might as well be talking to the concrete to, as well as to the contractor to get them to do something. But yeah. for the majority of it, I'd say eighty percent of them, if you give them some good advice and you treat them personable and you treat them right, they'll listen to you and do what you ask. Right. And that's, that's the way it can be. And you can use that as a teaching moment. You know, maybe the guy didn't know that he should have been using the fall protection equipment this way instead of that way. Right. Right. Or something like that. And sometimes you'll get a big thank you out of it, you know, and say, Hey, I didn't know that. Appreciate the time. And sometimes you get the big F you. (laughs) I've gotten that a few times. You know, that's part of the uh, safety professional initiation, I think, isn't it? The big F you. I always joke about that. I full expect that from my mom or dad, you know, Hey dad, how you doing? F you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting, man. When I was with OSHA after 17 years with OSHA, I just expected people to hate me. I, you know, family, friends, everybody. You know, yeah, I think you treat them right, and you, and Dan will back me up on that. If you approach yeah. the guys the right way and don't act like a safety cop, right. and, and like I said, approach them right, be good natured with them, man, they're going to listen. And as you said, help them understand truly the reason that we're doing this. I mean, yeah. we're not Obviously, certainly not trying to make their lives more difficult. Right. Obviously, you got some guys out there that just don't give a crap, and you know it's yeah. tough to deal with them. But for the majority, like I said, at least eighty percent. It's a good, positive interaction. Good. Mm-hmm. Dan, what, what makes the safety program at Manelli good? Uh, leadership is the big one. Uh, Dan and I'm, not, I'm not talking <laughs> about me at all. No. <laughs> we really do lean a lot on our, our field supervision, uh, our foreman, and our uh, superintendents mm-hmm. to, to uh, enforce. Not, and it's not just about enforcing, but to, 
to be leaders mm -hmm. uh, for our safety program to, uh, and they do an awesome job at that. Even when there is a safety problem, like Doug said, you know, occasionally you get a guy that, that just is not buying into this thing. Um, I can, I know I can always go to, uh, the leadership on the job site and say, Hey, you know, I need to talk to this guy. It's, mm -hmm. Some of these things are better heard from a brother pipe fitter. Right? Sure. And no doubt. they're always very glad to jump in, pull the guy aside and, uh, and talk to him. And I'll be darned more often than not. I get a, I get an apology the next day or two. Hey man, I'm sorry. I was acting that way. Yeah. Um, That's that cool. is such an awesome thing to have as a, as a safety professional. Yeah. You know, I, I hear a lot of horror stories of guys that don't have that. Right. Thinking, so. Well, I think you both touched on something that, that I've been talking about for a while now that, uh, this, this all works or doesn't work because of those frontline supervisors, the foremen, yeah, as you said, the superintendents, those guys that are out there interacting on the job sites every day, um, leading by example, hopefully, yeah. promoting safe, you know, sure. safe work practices, hopefully. Right. I mean, um, I think, you know, oh, oh, I was just going to say, I think, you know, their commitment to this, their under, certainly their understanding of the program and their commitment to this makes all the difference. Right. You know, so if you are a construction contractor, large or small, I think you need to understand how critical the leadership responsibilities of your frontline supervision is, I mean, to the success yeah. of the program. It, yeah, a lot of it, like you said, depends on the superintendent. You know, if, uh, they're, they're under a lot of stress anyway with the new deadlines that are right. just impossible that are placed on these guys. Mm -hmm. They've got to manage the project, manage all the personnel, you know, help set up jobs and, and all that and still you know, do the safety aspect of it. It's a lot to ask those guys and to see uh, some of those guys step up and do an outstanding job. It's, it's a good reward as a safety person yeah. to see that they can handle that and, and still really maintain is. that tire project and the safety of that wow. project. Right. And when you go out there and you don't have nothing to complain about as a safety person and say, Hey, that's a great job you guys did today. That, that's yeah. a good feeling, you know? Yeah. yeah it's I'll not bet. just safety when the safety guy shows up. Right. 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 So uh, have you found that uh, sometimes those positive messages make a difference? I mean, I, I think the days of safety just being, as you, as you commented earlier, Doug, you know, safety police and, you know, picking on the bad habits or the bad behaviors. Um, are, do you find that in this, in this day and age, the, the positive reinforcement uh, helps? It, of course it does. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it always helps, right? You just say, you, everybody likes to hear something good, and especially the superintendents. They like to hear that your site looks pretty good today. You know, right. you might have had one or two little things are already corrected. I'm out the door. You guys did a great job, and they appreciate that. They don't want to see somebody come out there and nitpick them and drag them down all right. the time. Yeah. Right. I'll bet. And do you have any kind of, do you guys have any type of a, uh, a program for doing that? Or do you think it's uh, best done just kind of spontaneously? Just a comment or two rather than, I mean, I know a lot of companies, uh, certainly in the past, they would have um, incentive programs or these positive reinforcement types of programs. Do you guys do anything like that? Or no, do, you, do you find that just yeah, a more we, spontaneous? Ours actually is uh, pretty random, actually. It's, um, you know, we, we try not to uh, relate it to any kind of goal, any kind of safety goal. I don't want to get in trouble with OSHA over that, you know, but um, it's it just, uh, it's pretty awesome to see the owner of the company come out with a handful of gift cards and just stand in line and shake everybody's oh, hand. Nice. All 200 guys we got on a job site 
shake every one of them's hand and hand them a, a Visa gift card. Nice. Is Bass that Tom? Gift card. It is, yeah. And he still does that? Oh, yeah, he oh, does, yeah. Good for him, man. Yeah. It's you forgot cool mine, Dan. Oh yeah, uh, we, we gave it <laughs> right. working out. You don't you don't actually give the gift card to the the, <laughs> the high dollar the high dollar consultant. Yeah, he doesn't get a gift card. Hopefully, I do think I think you're right. I, I I'm just asking, but I've always been a believer that that sincere, spontaneous, yeah. uh, that little really that is. sign of appreciation or acknowledgement really yeah. goes a long way, and yeah. um, it doesn't seem like much, perhaps. But I know a lot of places where, you know, those types of interactions are few and far between, and it and it definitely has a negative impact on the employees if they're not being, I mean, yeah. just like parenting. I don't. You guys are both parents, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I know with my boys in particular, my sons are in their twenties now. Um, you know, discipline is almost just impossible. They're both bigger than me. They're both stronger. You know, I mean, it's just. Um, if I want behavioral <laughs> modification, it has to be through some type of either leading by example or through some type of positive reinforcement. Yeah. You know, d- just discipline does not work on these guys. In fact, they tend to dig their heels in if I'm forcing things on them. And I think our employees are just like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. these guys are professionals. They are craftsmen. They're artists. They don't want to be right. dictated to. You got it. Right. It's they want to be. I mean, if, if you need to correct something, well, let's discuss it. Right. But, you know, if you're seeing behaviors that you want, we need to recognize that. Yeah. yeah. And I, the other thing I find about uh, programmed incentive programs or pre-planned incentive programs is that guys tend to do, you know, what's the, show me the program. What are the minimum boxes I need to check? Right. To earn the thing, <laughs> right. <know? laughs> exactly. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. I agree. Yeah. But, yeah, that's right. Uh, Interesting. It's just nice to see. Uh, again, it's just, it's about building a culture, not about not about having a program of uh, these are the minimum things I need to do. Cause right. that's, that's what everybody's going to revert to. What's the minimum, you know, yeah, I, the, the written program is nothing. It's, it's the culture and the way you approach and talk to the people. If you can't have a good rapport with the guys in the field, you're never right. going to get anywhere with them. So right. I, you know, people like Dan who have that rapport and can joke around and make yeah. guys laugh and you know pay attention and do what he, what he asks or what he points out, man, that, sure. that's the key to being a safety guy. If you can't do that, you shouldn't be in the field. Working, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think, and I, I forget who told me this might've been Jim Steele maybe when we were talking one time, but we were talking about what safety truly is really. I mean, and as you said, Doug, I completely agree, man. We, we develop programs because we, we either we have to, or we need some format, at least some baseline for what we're sure. doing. But, Safety, ultimately, in my opinion, is just relationships, building trust, and and basically through that trust, um, enlisting engagement from the employees. You know, yeah. If you have relationships with your people, if you if they trust you, they are certainly more likely to comply with any rules that we have to put in place. Right. Or better yet, just you know, pay attention to what you say. If they trust you and believe in you then they're going to, you know, nine times out of 10, do what you ask. Right. And as long as you're the guy that says, you know, if they ask you a question, you don't know the answer as a safety guy. I think you got a duty to say, I don't know. Absolutely. Out, and then you definitely get back to them because if right. you blow them off, they're going to remember that and they're going to never want to do, have to do anything to do with you. So. Right. 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 Yeah. I would agree, man. That's interesting. But I think, I think uh, the simplicity of that is sometimes lost on people. I think people believe they do need some boxes to check and they need some paper and they need some of that sure. stuff. 
you know, yeah. and um, I think that, you know, as you work in, a, in this profession for a while, you come to realize that it truly is fairly simple. I mean, these things are about just relationships and the way that you interact with people. Um, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's too simple. I don't know. But so guys, let me, there is one thing I wanted to ask about. And uh, oddly enough, I know that probably all of us have been in this situation. Um, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, talk about transitioning from the field into a safety position. I know, Dan, you've been through that. Doug, you've probably also been through that. I've been through that. Um, when you go from the field, you're actually, are, are you a, a, a tradesman? I mean, I am. Yeah, I was a uh, carpenter. Okay. Uh, was a superintendent for Dr. Anderson for oh, okay. six, uh, about fifteen years, I guess, fourteen, fifteen years before Doug hired me. I didn't know that. And so, how did you get into the safety profession? Was it uh, by choice? Through Doug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I went from one of the the guys that begrudged the safety guy. Doug would come on the job site, and of course, he always shows up at a time when you don't have time for the safety guy to be right. on the job site. Right. And. Uh, um, that's a skill. to catch me? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's a damn lottery number, but I get by yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, always, yeah, you got it. <laughs> no, but I mean, as a project superintendent to go to a safety I, professional. So I always knew, you know, I know what it's what it takes to keep my guys safe, to keep my job safe. Right. It's a very different perspective to be a full-time safety guy without, you know, I, I I don't care that there's a flat tire now or the lumber didn't get del- delivered or uh, whatever the other problems with production that come along with it. Obviously, I have to keep those in mind because we're a for-profit company. Mm-hmm. But the, <laughs> but uh, to have all that taken off my plate and just worry about safety is a very different perspective. And it really opens your eyes to things that you didn't see before as being safety right. issues. You know? Well, that would be – that's an interesting comment. Um, I think – me personally, I think one of the benefits, one of the values of a safety committee or some type of a, you know, yeah. safety coordinator a position where it may not be your primary duty, maybe it's a collateral duty of some sort, or maybe you just mm-hmm. have certain responsibilities, is what you've just described, a little bit of cross-training on what um, implementing the safety program actually looks like. So if you're, I mean, if you are a laborer, if you are a, a foreman or a superintendent, and you are in a position where you are now, you know, um, required to or expected to do some of these things for the safety program, I think it does change your perspective. It would be nice if we could uh, provide that perspective to more employees on the job site so they understand what that is like. Yeah, and we're doing that with um, not just with Manelli, um, but even on our big our big data center project in Council Bluffs mm-hmm. here. Um, when we, we have an employee safety committee that's that's made up of tradesmen that are actually you know wrench turners out in the right. field, and um, we that's do a great we, always idea. Try to, we always try to pick the young guy that's just getting started in this business uh, as our Manelli representative. Right. We want him exposed to that earlier. And, Absolutely. And want those guys to understand that it, it it's a like I said just a different perspective. We want you to understand the why behind all the rules mm-hmm. you know um, i like that and so it just goes along so this is a project safety committee that is composed only of employees that's correct and yeah, then you, so we have so, a leadership committee that's all the safety guys on the job site and okay you know it's real easy for us to sit and make a bunch of sure. rules and wave our hands but uh we want the rule those rules to come from the guys that are actually 
walking through the mud and, and right. turning the wrenches. Every I day. like that a lot. No, I think that's a great idea. Was that the uh, was that the owner's idea or the general contractor's idea? General contractor. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our uh, safety director uh, for okay. the site out here uh, from the general contractor uh, really pushed that. Oh, I like that. Happened. Yeah, yeah with, uh, definitely. Actually, with leadership from one of Doug's employees. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean, you know, a lot of safety committees uh, exist just so we can check that block, as you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. But I think if you were truly going get to some, get some use out of your safety committee, get some value out of your safety committee, empowering those employees to make decisions and do things yeah. and experience what the safety side of things actually is, I think that's a right. tremendous benefit. Yeah. I'd like and to see people do that. following through with their suggestions. You know, when they bring things up, when they bring things to the leadership side of it, making sure that those things get executed. Right. Uh, and we work very hard to do that. Just yeah. So that, you know, they're not just, they know they're not just going to a room and having pizza and, and sodas once a month. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. Which unfortunately is what some safety committees sure. consist of. Yeah. You I've know? been on both sides of that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I know, man. I know. Now I like the pizza, but yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, if you're, if it's just, if it's just purely for the sake of, you know, documenting that we had a safety committee meeting, it's, it's unfortunately of very little value. So. Right. Yeah. What about you, Snyder, man? Um, have you been a safety guy your entire life? Uh, no, I used to work construction. I used to be an equipment operator. Did you? Years and years ago out in the East coast. Is that right? Okay. And so I thought there had to be something better and stumbled and fell into this. <laughs> yeah, how how did you get how did you get into safety? How did you how were you led into safety? Was that a conscious choice? Discovered it on my own. Yeah, I said I was an equipment operator. Uh, worked for a heavy equipment operating company that had a patent on putting uh, rubber tire backhoes and excavators on top of railroad cars. Uh-huh. And working oh, yeah. unloading those and did that for four years and. Thought there had to be something a little bit better, and uh, got a, went back to school in Central Missouri State, got a master's in safety, and got a job with OSHA and worked for them. That's where I met you. Yeah, nice. Uh, originally, I was with Calumet City, then moved to Omaha, met mm-hmm. guys like you, and uh, worked there for four years and went out on my own after that. Man, that's impressive. It is I an interesting tra- the big difference. <laughs> the big difference between being an OSHA guy and a safety guy is when you're the OSHA guy and you tell somebody to do something, they usually do it. <laughs> right. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> At least they pretend to, temporarily. Yeah, right? We'll get that fixed right away, sir. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is true. I, you know, I found that same thing. I mean, I went from OSHA guy to self-employed consultant guy as well, and um, it is a totally different approach. You know, it's it's much more as as we've been talking about. It's much more relational. I mean, you have to develop relationships with your clients, with their employees. Back in the old days, when you were with OSHA, you could just dictate, you know, right. certain things to people and they would either, you know, they'd either agree or not, but I mean, you would just yeah. basically say, do this, do that. And you would leave. And right. uh, whether they complied or not really didn't matter to you, you know, if it didn't, and if they didn't, it just cost them extra money. Yeah. It's just, know? you know, failure yeah. to abate. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, we got a citation oh, well, for listen, that. Dan, here's another 10,000. <laughs> well exactly. Well, so are you guys, are you guys bringing, I know Doug, you've got a number of guys that work for you. Uh, so you're kind of bringing more people into the profession. You're kind of mentoring them and grooming them. Dan, are you bringing anybody online? Are you bringing any? Uh, mostly I'm, the guys I'm bringing online are through Doug. Are they? Um, when we hire safety consultants for jobs, uh, we hire them through Doug. Okay. And uh, man, has he delivered some superstars to Good. us. Uh, it's, it's been awesome. A great experience. Um, 
you know, every project has different needs, different personalities, I guess. Uh, and Doug's been able to fulfill those every time. Kind of put the right person with the job requirement. Yeah, absolutely. So That's nice. The guys, the guys, the Manelli guys love the, the sewage safety solution guys that come out. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, that. Well, the, other, the other good thing of that, I think, is a lot of the safety solution guys, a lot of the, I think a lot of the guys probably feel like they can speak to the safety solution guy a little bit freer than they can speak to the, the safety director of the sure. company, you know? So that's, that's been pretty useful sure. too. So. Yeah. How many, how many guys have you had working for you over the last 15 years, Doug? The most I ever had at one time, I think, is 35. Oh, my God, man. And so over the course of these past 15 years, how many guys do you think that you have mentored in some respect, at least employed, mentored? 100 guys? 45, 50, somewhere. Wow, that's impressive. The thing, and I I take absolutely no credit because I try to hire good guys with a good personality, just, you know, like Dan or somebody like you, and I don't micromanage anybody. They're mostly – yeah. You know, I trust them to be on their own. I don't need to babysit them. They do a right. great job at what they do. And that's, to me, that's the key is leaving them alone, let them do their job. And if there's something information wise, I got to get out to them. I will. But yeah. man, when you got, when you got people like I got, and like I said, that's by the grace of God that I got who I, I do have working for me. I don't have to babysit them one bit. Sure. They are nice, great workers and they do a good job. And like I said, they are pretty much all self-sufficient. That's yeah. nice. And backing backing the guys up too is what Doug does very well. There's when I first started for him, I, you know, there's times you're you feel like you're out there swimming in six foot waves in the ocean with no clue what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're like, how did I get in this mess over my head? You know, and you call Doug with questions. He's like, No, you're doing great. You got it. You know, you're like, I don't feel like I got it, Doug. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, that never goes away. Yeah, I've and been the doing guys, this. I'll say that the guys that were, have worked for Doug have all been a team uh, supporting each other. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. Awesome to see too. Yeah, so. Well, you guys probably are aware I don't have any employees and, uh, you know, I don't, I utilize a few subcontractors. These are guys that have been doing it for years and years. So just like you've described, Doug, I don't have much involvement in their day-to-day work activities. I try to, you know, find them work and coordinate that. But beyond that, from a, you know, from a technical standpoint, they take care of their own business. But I am bringing along a kind of a protege. I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not. Um, Pat Safford, in fact, uh, <laughs> the poor bastard that produces this podcast, sits in here for every episode. And well, that makes him a safety guy. That, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> make, like it or not, yeah. I'm telling you, he is now taking pictures of safety issues and sending them to me. Nice. See, you can't. <laughs> He can't help himself. He's been listening now for 25 episodes or whatever it is. And he's become a safety guy in spite of his best intentions, you know? So that's kind of the nature of how this works. Actually, you, you start to understand a little bit about risk assessment, about hazard evaluation. And all of a sudden you you are just, you're in and you can't get yourself out. It's a 24 seven thing, man. Even my wife, I think just by living in the same house, my wife is constantly reporting safety problems, safety hazards to me, you know? Sure, yeah. The guys are building a house across the street, and my wife about once a day, you should see what those guys are doing. And I was like, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to see it, please, you know? I try to walk the dog before they get to the site, you know? I don't even sure, want to see it. Yeah. But it's yeah, awesome. I end up yelling at my wife, you can't spray all those chemicals in the bathroom without the fan on. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It is funny. So one of these days, 
I think that transition, I think one of these days, Pat will be transitioning over to the safety profession and I'll, well, there's no way I could actually do what he's doing, I think, you know, <laughs> technically. But well, if he plays his cards right, it could be Pat's Fletcher's safety solution. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right. no doubt. He could be, it could, he could be the, uh, the king of safety in the area. Yeah. Well, guys, hey, man, I appreciate your time on a Friday afternoon. I know you're busy. I appreciate the insights, and I sincerely appreciate what you're doing out there. Um, I, You know, this safety community here in, in Omaha is a small, tight-knit community. I do appreciate the fact that we all try to support each other and help each other. And uh, if there's anything I can do for you guys, let me know. Um, otherwise, I owe you lunch when we can actually get together again. Or I could just, we could just each bring our own lunches and we could sit in a parking lot somewhere across from each other and have lunch, you know, yeah, there you go. Yeah. at a distance. But keep up the good work. I, pr- I appreciate I like it sincerely. One thing, if I could. Absolutely. I would just like to say, you know, Doug and I have known each other for, I don't know, probably 15, 20 years. Worked at OSHA together. And it's 20 um, years now. Doug's been a hell of a good friend. And I tell you what, if you need an industrial hygienist, Anybody listening, Doug Fletcher is the number one industrial hygienist <laughs> I've ever met in my life. I, I would never hesitate to hire that guy. And as a matter of fact, I do have Doug do work on my jobs. Yep. And he is somebody you can honestly trust. And he knows what he's doing and he knows how to communicate it. So there is not a better industrial hygienist safety person out there. So hey, man. I appreciate that. Construction. <laughs> well, the good news is nobody listens this far into the podcast. So. <laughs> people <laughs> yeah i think everybody checked out about 10 minutes ago but i man i appreciate that doug thanks yeah. no i i appreciate that i value your friendship and uh, i think we you know we've probably both got a few more years of this to go so you know we'll, so. we'll see what that has in store for us but <laughs> dan buys us out or <laughs> that's right there, exactly yeah. <laughs> thanks guys i appreciate it right. have a great weekend keep up the good work you know keep doing Thank what you're you. doing whether the guys appreciate it or not um, yeah. you're doing tremendous for them. So keep that up. And um, hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime, maybe yeah. even face-to-face someday. That would be nice. Yeah. In that. the meantime, um, I just want to finish by saying, if again, thank you to Safety Reports for sponsoring the podcast. Um, if you are interested in looking at Safety Reports, if you go through FletcherSafety.com, www.FletcherSafety.com, click on the link there. Uh, take the free trial, try it out. If you do end up subscribing or purchasing a package from Safety Reports through the Fletcher Safety website, they contribute a small part of those proceeds to keeping the podcast going. So uh, if that works for you, great. And if you don't have an auditing app right now, you need to take a look at it. Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. See you later. A Parkville Media Production.